Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's January 13th. 532, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that 6th century sporting hooligans burnt down half of Constantinople and almost brought down the Byzantine Empire in a riot that started over the arrest of two of their lead hooligans. It was astonishing to me to read about how fanatical chariot racing fans were. And for a good long time, I mean, chariot racing was huge. It played to packed arenas where hundreds of thousands of people would gather to cheer on their favourite teams. There were four factions, green, blue, red and white. And there was just this huge amount of violence associated with the sport. Contemporary archaeologists have found curse tablets where fans would implore gods to bring down all kinds of wrath and harm on the opposing factions. Apparently sabotaging the chariots themselves was not uncommon. Imagine that, it's like <laughs> watching Formula One now and someone in the crowd might actually have removed a tyre from Verstappen's vehicle. That was essentially <laughs> what it was. There was that going on. And then you'd have the chariot races themselves, like that bit in Ben-Hur, that's what happened. They didn't just whip the horses, which was pretty violent anyway, but they might turn on each other and whip each other. Yeah, and the rivalry between the different teams would put modern football firms to shame. 30 years before the day we're talking about, the Greens smuggled weapons into the Hippodrome at Constantinople and ambushed the Blues. They were kept in separate stands just because of this kind of thing. They attacked them and supposedly killed 3,000 people. Yeah, when fan violence went nasty, then it went really nasty, didn't it? And at the point that we're talking about, the red and white teams had basically faded away and the blues and the greens were the two major teams. And it's not known exactly how people chose where to align themselves. It's been suggested that there was links to neighbourhoods of Constantinople or even to different Christian theologies. The Byzantine Empire was was Christian by this time. (laughs) Apparently the divinity of Christ was, that was like a big (laughs) divide between the fans, according to some suggestions. Still a big deal between Arsenal and Spurs, I understand. Yeah, but (laughs) it, it went all the way to the top as well. Well, the emperor, Justinian, he was a blue, as was his wife, Theodora. She was actually a really passionate blue. She had been brought up as an actress and a circus performer. And her first husband had been a green. And when he died, she went to ask them for work for her second husband. Uh, they refused her. And the blues reached out looking to, you know, sort of humiliate the greens with their benevolence and said, we'll give you a job. And from that day forward, she was a very passionate blue. And in case you're wondering why it's relevant 1500 years later, we're talking about politicians and which team they were affiliated to. <laughs> it's relevant because Justinian the emperor was a blue like rebecca said but then did this quite modern political thing which is when he became emperor he gave up talking about which team he supported which meant that when things kicked off as we were about to outline the blues and the greens and their fans taken together could be against the imperial government they could be against the emperor because he wasn't one of them if only he'd stuck with being a blue 
all of the blue fans would have defended Emperor Justinian because, as you said, the, the fan affiliation went deep into their culture. Just a quick thing about the depth of Justinian's blueness prior to his sort of slight renunciation for political reasons. John Malalysis, who was a key chronicler of the period, introduces him as follows. In appearance, he was short with a good chest and a good nose, fair-skinned, curly-haired, round-faced, handsome with receding hair, a florid complexion, and he was magnanimous and Christian. Full stop, he favoured the blue faction. So it was part of his very introduction as a character in the sort of chronicles of history that his allegiance was to the blue team. Okay, so let's talk about what happened on this day then. Two ringleaders of a previous riot had escaped execution and their supporters decided to ask for the emperor's leniency at the chariot race that was happening on this day. Um, and this is why halftime entertainment these days cannot keep up <laughs> with, the, with the whole thumbs up, thumbs down, will they live or die thing. I mean, you know, yeah. did Janet Jackson's nipple come out accidentally? Just cannot compete with this please yeah. spare a man's life stuff. Yeah, um, the kiss cam is not so exciting as <laughs> death on on the sand. But that's that's how this started. So Justinian, the emperor, was put in this position where spontaneously he had to decide, do I pardon these men that have been sentenced to death? He actually made quite a conciliatory gesture, which was he offered to spare their life and commute their sentence to imprisonment. But probably quite surprisingly to him, he probably thought this was quite a grand gesture. The mob then demanded that he free them altogether. And at first, the crowd chanted the names of their team, you know, blue and green, as they usually did. But towards the end, they united in a cry of Nika, meaning victory, which was usually something that was chanted by, of course, the winning team against the losing team. Yeah, or when you're just about to cross the finish line, right? Your team would go, Nika, 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 Nika. But in this case, they had joined together in this unified cry of Nika as Justinian, presumably increasingly uncomfortable, looked on from his private box. And then the crowds began to pour out into the streets. And they marched immediately to the praetorium of the city prefect and burnt the building down so as to release the two prisoners. But really, this was where the violence truly began. And the unrest ended up being concentrated around the Imperial Palace, which unfortunately was right next to the Hippodrome. And it would continue for five days and nights with fires breaking out, which ended up destroying half of Constantinople. That must have been pretty scary if you're Justinian in the palace. Because he was protected, wasn't he? Like when, when he, when he realised it was all kicking off, he went next door. I mean, you say, you say it was located, unfortunately, next to the stadium. It was convenient. Uh, for escaping to <laughs> but I guess the crowd were still fired up and densely populated in that area weren't they and he was locked inside and it was at this point that Empress Theodora his wife said a famous thing according to Procopius she said for one who has been an emperor it is unendurable to be a fugitive for as for myself I approve a certain ancient saying that royalty is a good burial shroud and I think this was the thing that that Justinian's main concern was that the greens and the blues had come together. But it was also his remedy that what he decided was that the best way to get through this was to divide them again. And so apparently his grand chamberlain, the eunuch Narsus, warned the blues that a green was about to take the throne and bought their loyalty with gold coins. So basically he was like, listen... What's going to happen here is a green is going to get onto the throne and what we need you to do is back the emperor again and in doing so uh, then we'll, you know, we'll maintain someone who's friendly to the blue faction even after all of this uh, burning and killing <laughs> stops. 
And what did he tell the Green faction? Well, in the end, he didn't need to tell them anything because the scene ended in the most incredible slaughter. So this is all taking place again in the Hippodrome. And it's been speculated that the mob are being partially, you know, directed by Justinian's opponents in the Senate, which is, I think, sounds like it could possibly be true because mobs don't often try and stage a hasty coronation of a pretender to the throne, which Mm. is what happened in this case. Yeah, and the pretender to the throne, Hippatius, was a nephew of a former emperor. So there are obviously people high up in the political establishment, perhaps not your average chariot vans, who will mobilise this mob to get get my guy in. <laughs> I mean, this would make a great scene in a film because it was at this very moment where he was going to be having this sort of haphazard, hasty coronation in the Hippodrome that Narcissus, the, the eunuch, turned up with his big bag of gold. You know, he spoke to the Blues, emphasised Justinian's loyalty to them and the leading Blues walked out of the Hippodrome and amid this confusion, then the Imperial troops stormed in and started just slaughtering every single person they could get their hands on on both sides, or they probably slightly more greens than blues. Hippatius was dragged from the throne, which had been placed on the imperial stand, and later, of course, executed. And yeah, overall, it was estimated that 30,000 people died in the unrest. You've got to imagine that quite a lot of those was in that final climatic scene. Not to mention the fact that Constantinople itself was in ruins. There was this massive rebuilding project to be done, which fortunately, having stuck around and managed to survive this moment, Justinian was able to oversee, and he was then later praised for the work that he did in reconstructing the city, when arguably, actually, the whole riot was his fault in the first place because he had sort of dithered over what to do with these convicts. And the atmosphere around Justinian's reign at the time was already quite tense. The main reason for that being high taxation. Justinian had only been on the throne for a few years at this point, and his main goal was to regain the lost territories of Rome, because at this point, the Western Roman Empire had fallen, and the nexus of power was now the Eastern Byzantine Empire with Constantinople as its capital. And so Justinian was waging these endless and very expensive campaigns to regain you know, the territories in Europe and the Balkan states, etc., um, which made him highly unpopular, although he would rule for another 33 years and he would eventually become known as the Great because he was moderately successful in these attempts. But early on, it just felt like people were being bled of money for these endless campaigns and he was quite unpopular. It's cool, though, that you can still go and see the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, which was a church that was then 100 years old and was burned to the ground and Justinian rebuilt, but is still there now. It's a real connection with an event like this, which was such a long time ago, it can sound like the accounts just can't be real. But we know that this building was replacing something that was there before, because there's no other reason they would have built it like that. We know that a mob burnt that church down and the emperor had to rebuild it in a more ornate fashion, and it's still there. It's quite cool, isn't it? What colour is it? Half green, half blue. (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow that was the moment that my two-year-old backed out of the room crying (laughs) when the eyes appear in the trees love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors part of the acast creator network mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market